When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And today's guest makes me want to read more dictionaries, but old slang ones. He's Joe Cannon from Resurrectionists. Joe comes from a family that isn't exactly musically inclined, although his dad did play a mean steering wheel. Joe didn't start pursuing music seriously until he went to Notre Dame in South Bend. At that point, he really got into it. He not only played music, but he also got national touring acts to come to South Bend to play with his band in their basement. Music was such a force in him that it caused him to delay his work on a PhD at Northwestern. And what's really weird is his reading of the German writer Thomas Mann inspired pandemic-themed lyrics in his new album that were written in 2019. Kind of spooky. He's a self-taught banjo player, a collector of slang dictionaries, tambourine enthusiast, and creator of his own occasional film festival. That last part is because he decided that Resurrectionists would make a video for all nine tracks on their new album, Now That We Are All Ghosts. Go to Resurrectionists MKE on YouTube to check out all the videos. Follow the band on Facebook and Instagram. Grab the album from Bandcamp. Follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. We accept money for coffee at ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. We humbly offer merch with our cute little logo at performanceanx.threadless.com. And now get out your dictionary of the vulgar tongue and check out Joe Cannon of Resurrectionists on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Yes. So, uh, what? Am, am I like? Is it saying like, "Hey, this is Joe Cannon from Resurrectionists, and you're watching, listening"? Is it only? Is it only audio? Okay. Okay. Uh, this is Joe Cannon from Resurrectionists, and you are what? You are listening to this is Joe. Ha. So, this is Joe Cannon from Resurrectionists, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety. Our new album is out, and it is called "Now That We Are All Ghosts." And you can find it on Bandcamp. Awesome. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. This, this should, hopefully should be some some fun here. Well, all right. I like fun. All right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm getting to, to like it. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if Howard... Hurry's out on fun. It is, you know. It's overrated. Fun's overrated. A little misery now and then doesn't never hurt anybody, right? So, so, uh, so you do have a really cool new album out. Um, I do. All right, so it's called "Now That We Are All Ghosts." Yes, by Resurrectionists. Yes, and I have a lot of questions because oh. it was it was such a unique sounding album, and I just I loved it. I'm glad. So cool. I've seen it classified here as Doom Chamber Americana. (laughs) We come up with yeah, we we come up with genre names for sport. I love it. It's 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 as unique as your album and and your song titles. Well, thank you. So I I love Doom Chamber Americana. It's it's actually very accurate, I think. (laughs) You've you've got this new album out, but it's not the only project you're in. I mean, you're you're in a ton of other bands and today you know we we'll, we'll kind of want to focus on resurrectionists but i mean right. action chief you you play with conan neutron yes uh, this work delicious monsters it's uh work hasn't been an active band for several years okay so so but um yeah so and a- a- action chief is a is a project where we get together when we can so if in, in terms of things that i'm actively doing 
it's resurrectionists, delicious monsters, and when I when I go on tour with Conan sometimes. Okay. You've been busy. I mean, you're busy now with, with three different projects, and you've been busy in the past. When did music really start to get its grips around you? I mean, were you a kid? Was it something that was in the house a lot? It was. It wasn't so much in the house. It's interesting. Neither of my parents were particularly musically inclined. I think my dad, if he had grown up differently, he would have because he was like one of those dads that would like drum on the steering wheel. Yeah. But that was about it. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty good on the steering wheel. Hey, he played a mean um, steering wheel, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, it was high school for the most part, although I didn't really play in any bands that really played in front of people until I got into college. I was like, a, in high school, I was like a bedroom guitarist. Okay. Was it um, was guitar the first instrument you learned how yes. to play? Yes. I did piano lessons for a bit, but it wasn't like, you know, I, it didn't fill me with joy. <laughs> so, uh, was, it, was it the typical uh, parents making you take piano lessons? Yeah. Unfortunately, I had a, a piano teacher who recognized that I would rather be playing guitar and kind of like it was weird when the piano teacher convinces your parents to let you stop doing piano lessons. Um, <laughs> that's I, that sounds like uh, my dad, actually. He had to take accordion lessons when he was a kid and the accordion teacher told my grandmother, I'm not going to teach him anymore. I don't want you to waste your money. Mm. All right. Pretty brutal. But, you know, that's the way things were in like 1959. Right. So, right. Right. The, the stakes were high with the accordion. Exactly. Just like, you know, I mean, he was vying for that Kingston Trio spot. Yeah. Yeah. When did singing start to enter the picture? Oh, that would have been. Well, I mean, I always sort of started bands because I was writing songs. Okay. And so I, you know, since, and I, and I've always, you know, I write the song, I sing the song. I've never considered myself to be like a singer, you know, it's just in that sense where it's like, you know, I, I'm a vocalist, meaning okay. like I can, I can make vocal sounds that work for the kind of music that I make. <laughs> um, you know, I love it. And, and yeah, exactly. And so like, it's been a long, long development to get to the the unsteady state that I'm currently in. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide to start singing in front of people and get a get band together and start going out and uh, playing live? It, it early, um, I, I mean, I tried a little bit here and there in high school, but um, I only really started writing songs that were that I I felt comfortable performing in front of people in college. Um, okay. so yeah, college bands, like, uh, which for me was like the early, early to mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what was the first band you started recording with? Cause I'm, I'm looking at bands. I mean, you've got, so we, we, you know, we mentioned action chief, you know, you play live with Conan Neutron. Right. What would, what was the first time? The in first the band that actually released anything. Yeah. Yeah. Was my college band called Emily. Um, and that was, and, and so we put out uh, a couple of tapes. Um, we put out two seven inches and like a, uh, a short album on CD in, in, and all, all between like 94 and 96, I believe oh, was wow. when we were actually releasing things. Maybe, no, we had something as early as 93, but that was a tape. that band got got a little bit of recognition in kind of like kind of like the punk and hardcore scene sort of like the that whole scene where it was like the 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 bands that were getting distributed by uh, like ebullition and um and you know so we'd get we'd get reviewed in like those fanzines that splintered off from maximum rock and roll when that happened okay you know that era 
is what we're talking is what I'm talking about. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, before emo became a bad word. Right. <laughs> this is all taking place where? I mean, you're in Milwaukee now. Is that where you're from? No, I'm not. I, I grew up in I grew up in the D.C. area, oh, and that's where, uh, that's and I went to college at Notre Dame. So this is South Bend, Indiana, where oh, uh, wow. where where Emily is starting. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. We had this weird scene in South Bend because uh, because there aren't any there at the time. There was like pretty much no legitimate venues for underground music in South Bend, oh. and so you know we, there was this small group of us. Probably, I mean, it got to be maybe like fifty or sixty people total. <laughs> and we yeah and and like you know and and between us we had like 12 you know 12 bands we don't even, I mean, know how we did it um <laughs> uh, and and yeah and then we would bring and we would bring national bands in and they'd play in our basement we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen. And it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more. Plus, an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Emily opened for Unwound in oh. my basement. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, man, I those guys were good. Yeah. And this is like 95, I think, 94, something like that. Oh, wow. That's pretty. So, yeah. all right, well, you said the D.C. area. Whereabouts? I, Maryland I in, suburbs, like Rockville. Oh, okay. Rockville, That's, Potomac. I'm right down the road. So, I, I live in oh, Winchester, yeah. Virginia. Oh, okay. So not too far away. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really been, I haven't spent much time in, in, I don't have any family in DC anymore. It's like my family all lives in Providence, Rhode Island now. And so, so no reason to come back. Well, yeah, I mean, it's very, and, and, but it's also, it's like when I, I, I will sometimes catch myself, like when I'm going to visit family saying I'm going home, but I'm like, wait a second, I've never lived in Providence. <laughs> 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 that is awesome. So, <laughs> one, of, one of the cool things I'm I'm really digging about Resurrection is is the banjo 
in it. Yes. When, yes. When did that come into the picture? So, um, I, I bought a banjo and one, I, when I was living in Chicago, so, uh, the, just like the, the his, to get the history, right. I went to Notre Dame, graduated there, stayed for a couple of years cause I was playing with friends and I had, you know, I was working in a mental hospital. And then I went to graduate school at Northwestern. Uh, I, I got a PhD and it took me an, an obscenely long time to do that because as soon as I got there, I started playing music <laughs> and splitting my attention between between academic work and playing music. And so I was in Chicago from like 96 to 07 and actively playing music from about 99 on until I moved to take up a teaching job out in Idaho. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was in Idaho for a year and then I've been in Milwaukee ever since. And then you're like, so I've been in Idaho. I've, I've been in Milwaukee since 2008. Okay. So um, probably around 2003, I can't remember exactly which year, I was playing in this garage punk band called The Afflictions. Our singer worked at Specimen Guitars, and uh, he called me up one day saying, "There's a hey Joe, there's a K banjo they want three hundred bucks for." And I was like, "All right, I'd sold. I'm, I'll be I'll be there in ten minutes, nice. you know." And so that was the first time I ever picked up and played a banjo. And then I just started hacking around with it, and it started making sounds that I liked. And um, when I was in Chicago, I had two projects that featured the banjo. One was a solo thing. I called Marylander. And actually, uh, one of the songs on the Resurrectionist record is an old Marylander song, a song Break and Enter Part Two. Oh, cool. Um, All the booze in the world won't bring her back. And you walk in that building alone. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was, that was a revisiting of that song. And, and I also played in a band called early risers that was, that was featured banjo. And that was, ban that was banjo, me playing banjo, my friend Janet from the afflictions playing keys. And then, uh, Steve, uh, Sostak playing, uh, saxophone and, um, wow. the rhythm section of the Iowa city hardcore band, Bob and Zach from 10 grand. Oh my God. We put some, we, we recorded <laughs> some really great stuff, but we never released it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was unfortunate. That's, oh, do you still have that stuff? Is it floating around or you? you yeah, no, it's, it's up on a Bandcamp page. Oh, cool. Oh man. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That was where the banjo started. Okay. What I like about it is the, your approach to the banjo. I mean, it's not bluegrassy. You're not no. a mile a minute picker. No, um, I don't know how to play it. Is <laughs> the thing. Well, you're an unconventional banjo yeah. player. You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I listened to the very first Resurrectionist album, and mm -hmm. it sounds quite different from the second one. There's definitely a little more twang, a little more right. country, tends to pedal steel, and the songs are awesome. Mattress in the Hot Kingdom. I <laughs> love that song. I mean, the, the, the riff is this awesome driving mm -hmm. riff.
but this kind of we were very excited when we came up with that one i love it it's got this lilting pedal steel in it that's just beautiful and it it just works together fantastic yeah yeah it was it was a it was an interesting uh it was a little bit of a challenge when we went from having the pedal steel to not yeah, yeah, I was gonna. I'm. Yeah. I'm definitely got to ask you about that because. So we, we were playing with my friend Gavin, who is a pedal steel player, a very good one, but also into weird rock music. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so yeah, he, he um, was great to play with, and we put up. We we wrote a bunch of good stuff, but then he moved. Oh. Um, yeah, he moved to upstate New York, Ooh. and um, yeah, in in 2019, and so we kind of figured out we kind of figured that we were never going to be able to replace him with another pedal steel player in Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't imagine there's a lot. There's not a lot of them, and they don't tend to be they don't tend to be into weird rock music. <laughs> it's like if we had found a pedal steel player, it would probably be somebody who you know, because this was the sort of singular thing with Gavin, where he's like, it's a pedal steel player. He he's good at it, but he also doesn't just want to play like traditional country music. Right. He like was into playing in this like odd ensemble, you know. So it was great, but then so then when he left, we didn't try to replace him with um another pedal steel player we asked my friend john to I, I john i knew always thought of and always knew him as a sort of like very deep listener or he's like i call him our unofficial music historian mm-hmm. um and then and he had been in a lot of really interesting bands over the years and so i just kind of like showed him the songs and said i don't know what to do with this we had a pedal steel player what would you know what do you what do you think right and he brought some really interesting things and he plays he alternates between playing a uh a heavily affected 12 string guitar and a mellotron oh wow yeah that's awesome so so you brought these songs to him and i i I noticed it because i was like i said i was listening to the first the first album Mm-hmm. And my favorite resurrectionist, like resurrectionist Mark One. Yeah. They're, my favorite song is Don't Want to Tell Them About a Girl. Ah, yes. It's so spooky. I, I love the rough version. That is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we left that up. That was like, that was something I put up like before we had any legitimate recordings. And I was just like, people were asking what we sounded like. And I'm like, they're literally, they are literally voice memo recordings right. on an iPhone. That's what they are. that note when i was looking it up yeah. and i said oh okay this is cool and it yeah it i love the rawness of it that that way i think that's just such a cool document of, of a band at a certain point right and it, yeah. i love it but that song is so spooky I, I love the rough version i love the version off of the the first album which i've got right here uh, what comes in, and then that was one of the ones we reimagined. One John joined. Yes, and that's yeah, my so, favorite so the version. Free Songer is basically we had songs on. So so John relearned all. John learned all of the songs and like wrote parts to all of the songs. Okay. We didn't re-record all of them. We just selected those three to re-record because we wanted to have some kind of a document of John playing that are you know some of the original uh, set of songs, yeah. and it was also we were also using it as a kind of like teaser before we were, before we finished this album. So like, you know, we, we wanted to release that and have like, you know, here's something to talk about. Here's something to listen to while we're in, while we're waiting for the vinyl to be produced, right. and and I, which takes approximately 17 years uh, at this point. No kidding. <laughs> and what I, what I really like about that is that you can go back and forth and, and compare the different versions, which is, I, I love that. And I, you know, a beat them and don't want to tell about a girl on on with with john playing is i mean it's just got this uh sinister quality to it right right
I think that version is my favorite version. And then I start ripping off Roxy music lyrics at the end. <laughs> I I won't say anything. So right. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. That <laughs> it's like it's like it's like the central lyric in every in every dream home a heartache. That's that you know, is there a heaven? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like when you know, it's like you're you're quoting at that point. Right. It's like I, I, I intend you to know that I'm <laughs> I'm pulling this lyric from this famous Roxy Music song. All right. Well, I've, I I wasn't gonna say anything, but you are. It is pretty. Yeah. Okay. So, did you guys play out a lot when uh, when you guys first did this re-recording? We so so John uh, John joined the band. The first show he played with us was October of 2019. Okay. Okay. So it was And so then like right 6 months the later the world ended. Yeah. You yeah. know, so we played a number of shows with John, but then when the pandemic hit, we decided we were in each other's bubbles. Okay. And and we kept working. And you know, and and so we we you know, and we kept and we worked on recording this and we worked on writing music. So that was that was kind of how we kept going. But then okay. you know, when and then when the world started reopening, I'm trying to remember when our first show back was after the pandemic. It was maybe it was might have been that summer we uh there's this there's this event in milwaukee called the river west 24 okay. my neighborhood i live in it's a it's a it's an it's a 24-hour bike race oh wow that had, becomes this like 24-hour like neighborhood party and um i believe we played i believe our first show back was playing one of the events there oh, in wow. like 2021 oh okay yeah all right so i i have a question for you about the uh, the song titles because yes specifically on on the new album they're very interesting okay. i i mean i don't uh first okay so first of all the album title is now that we are all ghosts yes which I, I think that's great but so we have a classic dictionary of the vulgar tongue mm -hmm. okay so first of all i want to that is a killer song This is how we'd come undone. You've got this gentle banjo that, and it just suddenly erupts into blasts of feedback, and yeah, that's the stuff I love. Yeah, it's a dread. It's a dreadful little song. I mean, it's about dreadful things. It's about the kind of like, like our apocalyptic and inability to speak with each other anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's a yeah, it's like that's you know the dis disinformation trending towards civil war. Hence the uh, the chorus being the chorus just being oh boy here it comes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so accurate. Yeah, because it's still coming. Yeah. yeah. So how do you come up with the song titles? I mean, is, is there, the, I'm trying to remember. So, um, that there is, I picked that up from like, I, 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 <laughs> I collect, I collect dictionaries of slang and underword underworld argot. Oh, um, cool. and I, yeah, yeah. Um, I have like four or five of them now. I just like, I, I yeah, but, um, I believe that came, I can't, I can't remember whether I came across an actual dictionary of the vulgar tongue that is or if I, or if that was just like, you know, an idea I put together. I can't remember now whether, whether it was something I found and adapted or whether it was like me spinning something out from these, like un, these underworld slang dictionaries that I have, oh. which of course, you know, I poke through them to like, for example, the, the, the lyric in classic dictionary uh, referring to affidavit men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's like I pulled that from from one of these these dictionaries of the underworld. Um, and like an affidavit man is somebody who will lie for you on on the stand. Oh wow! Yeah, now I'm suddenly interested in these dictionaries. That's, oh, they're fascinating. That sounds amazing. They're like songwriting encyclopedias. They're I can great. Imagine that you yeah. get, must be able yeah. to get so much inspiration out of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also you do, you know, like like the unfamiliar turn of phrase kind of thing where it's like, you know, it's like, you know, odd and compelling word choices. And like, so I'll use these dictionaries to like express an ordinary idea in, in an unusual way by messing with the words I'm choosing, that kind of thing. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. With Resurrections, and I heard this, and I don't remember if it was Resurrectionist or if it was one of your other bands, where you come up with a song title first and then work the lyrics around... That was that was Action Chief. Oh, actually, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The project of Action Chief was, came out of Conan and I talking about, about, you know, like, let's, let's come up with the... I mean, we it, it didn't end up being perfectly this way, but a lot of it was like, one of us would come up with the song title and the other one would have to write the song. Oh, that's amazing. You know, that kind of thing. I yeah, love it. It ended up not working sort of perfectly that way, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and he had, a, he had that project where um he had that split with uh, secret friends had that split with a, ta- with erratic ta- retaliator strategy where they like each band put like they, each one was the side of a record and the song titles were the same. So they, oh. they took the same song titles and wrote songs with them and they're entirely different songs. Oh my God. I didn't know about that. That is amazing. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool project. I got to look that one up. Cause that sounds amazing. That's a really wild idea. I love that. So another one that you've, another song off the new album that just has this awesome energy to me is, is blue Henry. Mm-hmm. I love the energy of that song. It's just so, it just, Build. I love it. The ghost of Pyramid was mute. Yeah, I hoped it would speak, but it won't speak to you. To the toe crackers and their publicists, it whispered only arthritis. I'm pleased with that that one. I, that might, in terms of like performance, in terms of like capturing on the record what I wanted that song to sound like. I think that's the best song. Yeah, like that's the one where 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 you come out of the end of it. I'm like, yeah, that that song sounds like I wanted it to sound. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that and Hotel with Pool are vying mm-hmm. for my two favorite my favorite okay. on the album. Good, good, good. Because I I love the way. Hotel with Pooh ends. Just it just builds and it just kind of the song just kind of explodes. All life together. No, I can't wait to begin. All life together. Yeah, no, we we were like we in, we originally intended to just like fade that out, but oh. then we were like, no, no, we're just gonna. You can't. <laughs> that that sounds so much better. I love that. Yeah. yeah, no, that was yeah, that was like we were like, are we leaning into this? Is are we gonna be ridiculous? <laughs> yeah. We're like, yes, we're going to be ridiculous. Yes, and that's what I love. I love when it becomes ridiculous. So, all right, so um, let me talk you through this. Mm-hmm. Is that? The mellotron or is it horns? That's a saxophone. Okay. That's uncredited saxophone by our bass player. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
is happening. Hope I die. That's one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was what other unique instrumentations are you, are you using? I mean, you've got banjo, you've got the Mellotron, so now you saxophone. Mm-hmm. Is there anything uh, else kind of strange on the, on the album? Uh, well, well, well <laughs> there's a there's a running gag in the band where um, there's this uh, tambourine part in Blue Henry that it's like the one time on the entire set or in the entire album that John and John plays it. Um, so that's why he's listed on, and that's why it's his, when, when we listed his instruments on the album, it's first tambourine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it, we, the joke has just like gotten legs. It's like, shh, 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 he's going to play the tambourine. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Shut up, man. He's playing the tambourine. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> Oh, you should come out with just a solo tambourine album. Exactly, exactly. Right. All right, right so right. I... Like, do, do split, split seven inch with Daniel Higgs or oh, something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm noticing in the background, is that grandfather the, clock, the clock on the yeah, album cover? Yeah, that's the guy. He also he also features in like three or four of the videos I had made for this record. Right, okay. So that, that brings me to that question. How... Why did you decide to do nine videos for? Because we have no regard for our own safety. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I can't remember where it came from. It was more like, I mean, part of it was a sort of reaction formation from the fact that you know I had so very rarely done any videos for other bands that I'd been in in the past, like the band, sort of the predecessor band of Resurrectionists, work which Jeff, our bassist, is, was played with me in work as well. Yeah. Like that band was around for like six years, put out three albums, never did a single video. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and so it was like, I was like making concerted effort. I was like, no, I'm going to plan to have videos made. And then when I started doing it, I was just like, why don't I just do a video for every song on this record? And then I had the idea of like, oh, we'll make an event out of it. We're going to have a film fest. And That's so, cool. you know, so, so April 23rd is the first, is the inaugural Resurrectionist Film Fest. It's a, wow. it's a carefully named event because who knows when there's going to be a second one. <laughs> <laughs> All we do, we do know this is the first one. Right. Yeah. But I, I was like, I was like, I'm going to call it the first biannual. I'm like, I don't know when that I'm going to have like another like set of nine videos to play for people. <laughs> so it's the inaugural Resurrectionist Film Fest. The first occasional Resurrectionist. Exactly. Film exactly. Fest. It's like periodic, the, you know. <laughs> As directed, yeah. <laughs> as prescribed, four out of five dentists agree. How did you guys come up with the name Resurrectionists in the first place? I, it, I, it was my name for the band. Like, I, 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 and um, I was fascinated by the idea. So, a resurrectionists, a resurrectionist, it's it's nineteenth century slang. Here we go again. Okay. It's nineteenth century slang for the for the for the people who would rob graves to procure corpses for medical students before there was like the modern sort of donating bodies to science thing. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. So they were referred to as resurrectionists. Oh, wow. um, that's creepy. Yeah. And so I just thought it, I thought it, I like it because I have this tendency to like to mess around with uh, like, with like religious language and religious ideas. And so it's sort of perfect where it sounds like it's something Christian or Catholic even. Yeah. But when you know what it, the word means, it's actually something kind of disturbing and, you know, criminal. Yeah. When you, when you pause there for a second, when you said, I'm really into, I'm like, Oh, don't say grave robbing. Don't say, don't say what? Well, I said, don't say grave robbing or no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Only as needed. Right. Um, as prescribed by, by necessity. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I guess it's kind of fitting that we are recording this the the week of Easter. Yes. So. Yes. So that, that kind of, that, that's nice and fitting. So this album kind of has tones like it was recorded during the pandemic and maybe a reaction to the pandemic. But I believe you actually started it earlier, didn't you? Yeah. All of those lyrics on the album that that sound like they're coming straight from the pandemic are not. I was writing these songs in like 2019. Wow. Um, and, and the weirdest bit, I mean, I, I was, a uh, a lot of the lyric ideas on this record came from, I was reading 
stories by Thomas Mann, the German author. And uh, so the, the novel, The Magic Mountain, and a bunch of other stories, most notably the, uh, the story Death in Venice. Okay. So The Magic Mountain is about a bunch of tuberculosis patients in a sanatorium in the Alps. Oh, wow. Um, in like the years before the First World War. So it's like this kind of, you know, and, and, and like some of the themes on the record where it's like this sort of like the like uh, great societies flying apart because, you know, there there's sort of like their language degenerates. There's this way that that the Magic Mountain's kind of about that. It's about these tuberculosis patients, but it's also about the breakdown in relations between the European nations that ended up causing the First World War. Wow. And so, like, there's characters in the novel that they're, they're sort of kind of represent these different world powers and how they're not able to talk to each other, you know. And, and so that's that's one of the themes that ends up running through the album. Um, and then Death in Venice is about a cholera outbreak in Venice. And so literally, the, you know, the, the line in New Winter, put the city on lockdown, put it on quarantine. I wrote that in 2019 because I was thinking about Death in Venice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then, I mean, so some of the song titles like The Rest Cure. Yes. Rest Cure was sort of before they had modern treatments for tuberculosis, the primary cure would be to go to like some snowy, cold place with very dry air and wrap yourself up in a blanket and, you know, and lay out on these like lounge chairs on the veranda of the sanatorium and like, you know, Alpine winter. Um, yeah, that was referred to as the rest cure. Um yeah. And so and then and then um, blue blue Henry, blue Henry's were the cobalt blue bottles that tuberculosis patients would use to, like, you know, not have to look. They'd spit up into them. <laughs> right. right. Like all the nasty stuff in their lungs and they'd oh. use these blue bottles to like, like, to like collect it. And so that, you know, and I think the blue of the bottle was so that, you know, it's like you wouldn't know the disgusting stuff that right. was inside. <laughs> oh, it's. Okay, so I I was expecting it to be like a patient sat out on the veranda a little too long. No, 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 no. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Henry, you're getting a little too blue. Yeah, yeah. This is fascinating. I'm really drawn into the the, the use of language and and now your fascination with language. It's really amazing. It kind of starting to make the album's making a lot of sense and, and I'm starting mm. to understand a little bit uh, where these interesting turns of phrases that you're using come from. It's really fascinating. Right. I mean, the, I, I agonize over lyrics. I have lyric ideas that I have copied and recopied and recopied from notebook to notebook to notebook for like 25 years. Wow. And then like something will happen and I'll be like, I'll finally be able to place some turn of phrase that I've, I've wanted to use for decades and, you know, and the skies open and the angels sing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The band as a whole, is there a lot of uh, touring planned or regional touring live shows planned? We're we're playing a lot. uh, We're playing a lot in and around Milwaukee. We get down to Chicago relatively frequently. Okay. um, And we have some, shows planned like the 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 release events and just getting the videos finished and everything kind of consumed my attention so that i couldn't also turn my attention to booking shows yeah you know and i'm also assuming that with the album out and some people writing about it and it'll be easier to book better shows when when we're a little bit better known so we're playing we're playing caterwall over memorial day weekend okay. uh, in Minneapolis and then um you know shows various places in Wisconsin get down to Chicago when we can and then probably late summer early fall 
I'm going to try to do a little bit more concentrated touring, like, you know, go, go out for like a week or a week or so to oh, get out cool. to the East coast or, or, you know, or take, take a jaunt South or something like that. That would be awesome. Would love to like do something like fly out to the West coast. I don't think we have the, I don't think we have to like drive out there, but I can, we, <laughs> I, I can imagine like flying out there and, and playing some, but yeah, that's all, that's all kind of like once I've got the record out, and we've completed all of these events related to it, then I'm going to turn my attention to actually getting on the road a bit more. Okay. Now, a set list for Resurrection is at currently, would, I mean, would it be a mix of the, the two albums or is it going to be mainly focused on the new one? Um, well, we, we actually have about five songs in the set that we haven't recorded yet. Oh, wow. So we're like, there's, we've got a, you know, we're, we're playing a record release show and that show is going to be the album plus like one or two of the newer songs that we've been working on. And in a normal, in a regular set, since we now have album, like the full album's worth of material and five, I think we have five songs post album that are developed enough that we play them live. Right. You know, now that we have all that, that we don't play very much stuff from the first tape anymore. Okay. Occasionally we do like water dollars, for example, was kind of a, a staple of the set. I mean, I think part of partially is also, you know, the shorter ones, <laughs> you know, we can't put too many five or six minute long songs in the set. Like I love, don't want to tell them about a girl, but you like, if you're going to put that in a set, you basically have to build the set around it. Ah, uh, okay. Cause it's like six minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and when we, I mean, and on the album hotel with pool was six minutes long, but live, we don't typically do like the full florid oh. orchestral feedback for six for four minutes thing that's on the album oh, man that, that's what i want to see the craziness the, the, all the noise and the feedback that's that's the st I, I, love I mean that. we do it we just don't do it for quite as long okay okay i can <laughs> i can take that i'm gonna with that <laughs> well Look, I love this album. You, like you said, you've got videos for everything. Where, mm -hmm. besides the film festival, is there mm -hmm. going to be access to all the videos where people can see them? Yeah, um, two two of them are currently. So we have a uh, we have a YouTube channel, and they all live there. Okay. Um, we're having we're we're having a number of them debuted over the next couple of weeks, and so until they're premiered they're not publicly available. And then once they're premiered, they'll be publicly available. Two of them are currently publicly available. The video for a classic dictionary and the video for hotel with pool. Yes. Yes. And yeah. So those you can find. Did, how did you get the filmmakers involved? I mean, were they people that you knew or mm -hmm. did, so all of them were, were people you knew? Cause I know some, yes. Uh, a couple of artists did multiple. Yes. Um, so our, our friend, Brian Tyson, did three. Okay. And he was the, he was sort of the origin point of me wanting to do this during the pandemic. We like, we got asked to play like a virtual event and we decided the thing to do was we, we recorded, we did a live recording video, you know, like a video recording while simultaneously recording the tracks into like a computer. So we, we, we did this 20 minute long live set okay. and Brian filmed it and it looked really cool. So I was like, well, I want this guy to make some videos for me. And then we, there was another one of these virtual events and we couldn't do the same thing again. Right. Where like, you know, you know, or, or give them the same old set. So, uh, I had decided to have a couple of videos made for some songs. So, um, one of the songs from that first tape and that the re-recorded version of it with John, um, I need a barber. Yes. 
we had a friend of mine make an, an animated video for that. Oh, a guy named Tyler Wallace, who plays in a band from he's he's from Austin. He plays in a band called Union Specific. Uh, quite good. Nice. And he's also quite a good video maker. So he made this he made this this animated video for us with this cowboy falling asleep on a bar. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then um, and then Brian made a video of like a sort of pandemic recording, you know, uh, walking around my neighborhood during the pandemic. Oh, kind wow. of thing. So it's like walking around my neighborhood, the empty streets and the isolation and that kind of thing. Oh. Um, and then that was the first instance of this guy showing up. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah so we have. Uh, yeah. So we, so we, so we had these videos made and then that was sort of like what turned my head was like, I just want to make more videos. wanted to have, and, and then I just started reaching out to friends of mine who I knew made videos that excited me. Like for example, one of the animated videos, the video for don't, uh, the, the video for, uh, let me talk you through this one, uh, was made by my friend, Eric Arsnow, who plays in the band devil's teeth and had made some really excellent videos for devil's teeth. Oh, okay. And so I saw, I mean, I remember seeing one of the videos he had made for his band. I was just like, I got to get this guy to make a video for me. Nice. And he came through, he came through nicely is oh. the, the video he made for us is gorgeous. And then, um, my friend T.W. Hansen has made videos for bands over the course of years. So I knew I wanted to bring him in. Okay. I originally was only going to have him make one video, but then some of the test footage that we were working on looked so cool that we built a, a entirely different video around the visual ideas that came out of that. Oh wow! That's the whole all the, all the stuff with me in the white suit in the pool. Yeah, that's that's comes that comes from the videos that TW and uh, made for us. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah. As as these videos are being made, are you are you giving everybody free reign, or are you giving a little input into what the uh, the subject matter is about? Or? It it varied varied between things where I. So like the three videos that Brian made for us, I believe the the new winter video was his idea. The kind of like, you know, walking around in the neighborhood video. And then the rest cure video was sort of like the thing that kicked all of this off where I, I you know, this sort of narrative video about uh, the band finding this clock yeah. <laughs> in a clearing in the woods <laughs> um, and it being two minutes to midnight. And we like, frantically go do surgery on the clock and we make it three minutes to midnight. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so that was like, and so I had that idea and I was like describing it to Brian and then he had this idea for the classic dictionary video that, you know, like he brought an idea that like, then we sort of started negotiating basically like, you know, things about like how I, I like the idea, but then we like kind of like had a push pull about how to actually bring it to bring it to ground. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, another friend of mine did an animated video and I just kind of let her run with it. Wendy Norton, she does really cool animations. Oh, and so we've got a, a ghost floating around in a graveyard oh, for, wow. for, the, for hobnobbing. She did the video for hobnobbing. Okay. Yeah. And then Conan did a video and that one was his idea. Um, he, he, he was, it was one where he was like, I've got an idea. I want to do a video and it's going to be kind of like this. And so it, that one's one of the performance based videos where um, it's not really a narrative. It's, the band recorded multiple times playing to the track sped up and slowed down. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so he would have us like play fast, you know, like, like we, you know, not quite double time, but like a, a speedy version of it. And then he would slow it down so that it would be, you know, so basically okay. he took, he took, he took footage of the band playing the song slowly sped up to normal speed and footage of the band playing fast, slowed down to normal speed, and then footage of the band playing at normal speed, and then kind of overlaying these these over and over and over one another uh, multiple times in different ways. Oh my god, that sounds amazing! And then, and then a big fan in newspapers flying at us. <laughs> oh man, I I can't wait to see that. That sounds yeah, fascinating. That, and that's one of the that's one of the videos that's that's live. You can find that. Uh, just, just go over to our Facebook page and there's like instances of it. It's around, it's in, it's all on our, it's on our YouTube channel as well. So I think if you oh, awesome. just, 
if you just go to YouTube and search for our name and the, the song name, it should it should come up. Okay. Uh, and I will say that I was having a little bit of trouble because I, for some reason I kept putting the in front of the name and that was putting right. up other people. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of different bands uh, with a very similar name running around. Yeah, you um, guys have yeah. no the no the no, no definite the. article. Right. So, well, uh, this is been- I, and it's also easy to. I mean, if you're looking for us, if you just our our, our internet name is Resurrectionist MKE. Okay. MKE being the standard, the common abbreviation for Milwaukee. Okay. Okay. That that makes total sense. So, all right. So you mentioned it. Where can people follow the band on social medias? How can they find you and pick up the album and watch the videos? Our Facebook page has probably got the most information. Okay. And then, and it's, uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's Facebook and then, um, Resurrectionists MKE. MKE. Okay. Yeah. Any of the other social media platforms at all? Well, we have, I mean, I'm, we're on Instagram. I don't, I'm not as active on Instagram, Okay. but I'm getting more active by necessity. Yeah. Um, you know, know. Um, and then, and then probably the set, the, the, the other important one is our Bandcamp page. Right. Okay. And which this- is also resurrectionistmke.bandcamp.com. And that's where the record is. Um, and okay. the record is now available. It's okay. So, and uh, is it, uh, and there'll be physical, there's physical copies. Yes. Available? Yes. It's on, it's, uh, you know, di- available digitally and we have vinyl and we have CDs. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Like I said, I've just been fascinated by this album since I started listening to it. Hey, there it is. And it's so weird to see the cover with the clock and then the clock in the background. And then here's the dictionary of American oh. slang. Nice. Oh, that is awesome. From uh, 1960. Oh. Gotta oh. have different eras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I imagine the older, what's, I see, what's the oldest one you have? Oh, I think uh, probably... Dictionary of the Underworld. Oh, yeah. This one, I believe, is uh, 1949. Oh, cool. this one. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. I am suddenly incredibly fascinated by that now. <laughs> that I may have a new hobby. <laughs> My wife is going to be mad at you. <laughs> like the podcast doesn't take up enough of you're your just time. gonna you're gonna communicate solely in rhyming slang now <laughs> <laughs> oh man if i could only make that work oh, that that that's a podcast right there yeah <laughs> every week a new rhyming slang uh no i'm not i'm not even gonna go there because i'll actually become obsessed by that then <laughs> uh, thank you this has been great man it's been it's been a pleasure talking with you and learning about the album and how it was made and and just all the really cool stuff that's that's happening around it i, I really really love the album oh thank you i mean it's been a lot of fun talking to you i appreciate that It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 